it does feel like a long time, except when I was preparing, it felt like it had been such a long time. And then I was like, but we have had shiurim since a month ago. It's just, it's just these shiurim we haven't had. So it's, but it, it did feel like a really long time. Okay. So. I want to um, continue on this topic of Chachma and Bina and Das and Haskel. Mix of, mix of those. Um, and start with another passage from Abu Daha. Okay, so he says, he bring. I, I think he's actually quoting the Riva. And he says something very interesting. Now, I, you know, like it's been a month since we even had the last year, let alone the ones that were a month before that. So it does follow on to some of the earlier ideas that we talked about with the number 12 being like the 12 tribes mm-hmm. and that there are these 12 brachos in the middle of Shemona Essay with three in the beginning, three in the end. And now there are 13. And the Maharal talked about... Um, the number 13, even the 12 tribes, there's a 13th tribe because Yosef becomes Menashe and Ephraim, and that this idea of 13, this whole book of 13 from Kelsey, the idea of 13 is, the, is an idea of a complete structure, something that has been broken down into its component parts in order to sort of build it into a whole, and the number 13 over the 12 then becomes that whole, that whole identity of the pulled together 12. Okay, so this idea really connects to that, even though he doesn't happen to mention that. He says like this, the 13 brachos in the middle of Shemona Esrei are really six facing six. In other words, you can lay them out like a table, which I would have loved to do, except there wasn't time before we actually started today. Well, there was time, because this was at like three in the morning, but <laughs> anyway, I decided... By then, I could go back to sleep. I was like wide awake. So I said, okay, instead of lying in bed wide awake, and then it will be hard to wake up early to finish putting things together, better I should get up now while I'm wide awake, finish the preparation now, and go back to sleep and not wake up early and wake up later, which is what I did. Okay. So you don't have the table. I have a handwritten one, which I will show you what I mean. So six facing six, meaning a table of two columns. And there's six on this side and six on this side. Imagine, you know, your, your Ten Commandments, only 12, right? <laughs> so instead of having five opposing five, you'd have six opposite six. And that this is a different way to look at them. Instead of looking at them as a line of 12, think of them as two columns of six, the middle brachos, with the 13th bracha wrapping them up together again at the bottom that they've divided into two rows, two streams, and now they're going to come back together again. So the one that was added later doesn't... It doesn't necessarily serve that. Yeah, it's not the 13th in the row. Okay, so here's how it goes. Yod gimel brachos em tzayos heim shisha keneged shisha. The 13 brachos that are in the middle are six across from six. Six by six. V'shomei atfila, the thirteenth bracha, which is Hashem, you hear our, you hear prayer, you listen. Okay, that bracha is connected kulam. Is that a bracha? Yeah, it's it goes like this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shema kolenu Hashem elokenu, hear our voice, Hashem our God. Chus verachem elenu, have mercy on us. And receive with mercy and will, desire to, to have our prayers. You are the Lord who hears all prayers and pleading. And from before you are king, please do not return us empty-handed. You hear the prayers of all the Jewish people. Uh, with mercy, Baruch Hashem, Shomei Okay? It says that wraps up everything. 
back together again. Okay. Sheish Rishonos. So what's in the first column? The first six brachos. They are ba'adam atzmo, referring to the needs of the individual person. Now we've said in the past that all the brachos of Shemona Esrei are in the plural. They're all for the whole community. Okay. What he's saying here, though, is that even though it's in the plural and even though it's the whole community, it's the needs of the individuals in the community. So the first six are Chonein Hadas, Hashem grants knowledge, understanding, the ability to think. Okay, that's on a person-by-person degree of delivery of that blessing. That's not a communal blessing. We are asking it for everyone, but it's something that's given to individuals who create the community. Okay, that's, and, okay, he says that's the first bracha. Oh, you know what, I think he's going to go, one second. Okay, I just want to make sure he wasn't going to go back and forth between them, because I first wanted us to hear the six that are, okay. So they're all going to be like that. So the first one is chonein hadas. He says, because that's the main thing of a person. That's ikar ha'adam. That's the, the primary defining aspect of a human being is that he is able to think. And we'll mention it again later, and we've mentioned it before, right? When you say that man has das, that goes together with dibor, the das and the dibor, it's the ability to think about things. Mm-hmm. And to we, we talked about Rav Schwab saying there's a sort of broader definition of das, which means to connect to the other, right? So where a man and a woman are intimate, that could be called das and is called das in the Torah. Why? Because you're able to use your mind to think about the other, to try and understand the other, and that forms a connection that isn't a physical connection, but that forms a connection, and that is something uniquely human, the ability to think in the abstract, to think about implications of things, and to think maybe how they are experiencing something else. These are all a kind of higher-order thinking. So that's ikar ha'adam. That's the defining aspect of a person. As it says, yeras Hashem reishis das. Fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. I think we're going to come back to that. Which number was that? that was, that's the first well, that of this. Of, this was. He's still talking. Fear of knowledge. That's not a bracha. He's, oh. These are the sources that are oh, okay. supporting this statement. Um, the Amru Rav Osenu and Chazal have taught us in a Gemara Nedarim, Deakonisa Machasarta. If you've acquired Das, what are you missing? Deakhasarta Makonisa. If you're lacking, if you're missing Dea, what have you acquired? In other words, this is the fundamental for a human being, and everything else is really only secondary after that. Therefore, this is the first. The Amar Rebbe, and Rebbe said, Okay. I'm astonished that the Chachamim thought, hang on. No, no, this is the wrong one. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, who's speaking? No, it's okay. This is, who, is, who is this this the wrong continuation. Who's this okay. commentator, Sarah? This is Abu Darham. Ab- Abu? Abu Darham, also known as Abu Draham. Oh. But that's not. Abu Darham. He's, um, he's a Rishon. He's after Rashi. Okay. And he was friends with the Balitosvos. Like, he lived in the home of the Rush for a while because he was friends with his son. Yeah, there's a piece on benching where he says, and uh, the rush would say about benching, and then he says it over. And at some point, I look back and I realize he's not quoting the rush from his writings. <laughs> he's saying the rush would say this, like at the table. <laughs> you know, I was like, wow, okay. They were actually at the table. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah, okay, we're getting there. I got confused. Um, partly because I recopied the second page because I have it in two places. All right. Um, and he quotes Rebbe, who said, I am astonished how it is that on Shabbos we don't say this bracha. Okay, it turns out that there's actually some discussion in the Gemara as to whether atachonin la adam das should be considered a request, which is how we treat it, meaning we don't say it on Shabbos. Right. Or if it should, that one should be left in. Because, my goodness, what on earth, if you don't have Dea, how are you going to dot? Like, you can't keep Shabbos either. 
it's not just your needs for the week. Like this right. is, this is, this is all the time. Like, and, and in any case, it's stated more as a praise, right? This bracha is different from the, from the other ones. It doesn't start by asking for something. It starts by saying, We mentioned this. It's similar to which is part of the praise blessings at the beginning. You are holy, your name is holy, and everyone blesses you. So here we have, you grant people under, uh, thought, uh, the ability to think, and you teach people bina, and then please give us dea bina and haskel. Right? So, okay. And whoever, okay, so it goes. Okay, and the bracha says, Chonin hadas, actually Rav Hirsch is going to talk about this after, but as long as we're reading through it, we'll just read right through. Atachonin la'adam das, you grant. Chain is, you know, like uh, grace, right? You grant freely to people das. Kimat haselokimhi, because it's a gift from God, b'derechain. It's a gift. It's not necessarily earned. It's not, it's just a gift. Okay. V'tachanunum laseis latuv lefanav. Okay. And once a person has the ability to think and understand and have knowledge, then he can move on to tshuva. And afterward, he can ask for slicha and mechila. Okay. And then after that, he will ask Hashem to save him from his enemies and those who hate him. Wait, so the second, so one, the second one is return us to tshuva. The third one is forgiveness. The fourth bracha is that is re'evanyenu, see our suffering and fight our fights, so save us from our enemies. The fifth one is refa'enu, asking Hashem to heal the sick. And the sixth one is barehalenu, asking Hashem for parnasa. It's, I mean, it's expressed in terms of agriculture because that's the fundamental parnasa because the point of the parnasa is to eat, but it applies to all parnasa. Okay, and you see, he's saying that these flow one after another. The needs once a person can understand, then he could think about the fact that he's gone wrong and ask Hashem to help him do tshuva and accept his tshuva. And after that, that Hashem should forgive him once he has accepted his tshuva. And after that, that Hashem should save him from his difficulties. And only after that, that Hashem should even provide for him. You know, not just remove the problems, but send the blessing. Okay. And he recognizes that the source of these problems was because of his sins, and the source of his illness was because of his own sins. So all of this flows out from the tshuva. Okay. And after the redemption of his soul and the, redemp- and the healing of his body, then he'll ask for his parnasa, that his body and soul should be able to live together in the blessing of Shana. After he asks for these six individual needs, now again, it doesn't mean you're only asking for yourself, but what's being asked for is the needs of the individual, Choser, he goes back. In other words, you go back to the top of that list. That's why it's in a column. You go back to the top again, and ask for the needs of the community, <clears throat> the needs of the public. So how does that work? And, he's, and they correspond. <laughs> it kept bothering me, but I wasn't so tuned into it. All right. Okay, so how do they correspond? So num- I, I guess I'll call it number one because it's, it's going to be number one here and number, number one here. Right, it's the seventh blessing and it's in, call, in row number one, okay, is Tekaba Shofar Gadolacherusenu, to blow the great shofar of our freedom. So this is redemption, right? So how does that correspond to our bracha, which is that Hashem grants, he gives us this gift of knowledge and insight. So he says, first of all, in the same way that for the human being, this defining element of the human being is the das that Hashem gives him, the defining element of the Jewish people is this das that Hashem gives the Jewish people. The freedom. It's give us our our freedom. What's cheirusenu? Right? The time of our cheros is Pesach. It's God revealing himself. Now, the real freedom is the blowing of the shofar. It's an announcement. God is here. Right? This is what we call, we say, the redemption is a time of when the earth will be filled with the knowledge of God. 
So this is something that's a co the communal equivalent of an individual person waking up in the morning with a mind that can think and think about things and draw conclusions and have those conclusions affect his actions. The equivalent of that is an entire community, an entire nation, an entire world waking up one morning and being able to think about Hashem and about the world in a whole different way and that of, you can draw conclusions from that and those conclusions affect your actions. It's the equivalent if you think of not the body as an individual person's body but a body of a nation. Okay, as Chazal have said, and this, this is interesting, the source he's using as the, the quote he's using as the source, really what he just said helps explain the source. It's a Gemara in Brachos, Kol Adam Sheyesh Bo Deya, any human, any person who has Deya, not, uh, this kind of thinking, Ki'ilu Nivne Beis Hamikdash Biyamav. It's as if the Beis Hamikdash was built in his days. Now that's, really, that's the puzzling statement. It's what he just said that explains it. Why, why would you say that a human being with Deya, that's like the building of the Beis Hamikdash? So now we understand. Mm -hmm. Because one, <laughs> these are equivalent. Mm -hmm. One is the kind of making a whole human. It, it's a little frightening, though, when you think about what it means all these years of Gullus, what it means to the world, to the nation. It's like, kind of brings back to the, Rav Schwab had that idea about the Hashem waking us up saying that we never really woke up from that sleep that God put Adam into. And it says Hashem put Adam to sleep and he created Chava from his rib, right? From his side. It never says he woke him up. Or if Schwab says he never really woke him all the way back up again. And we're all in this half-asleep state. And there are moments where he sort of wakes us up. And that's something he did for the Jewish people. So we're walking around, we're the ones who woke up briefly, whose eyes were open briefly, we had Matan Torah, we had Yitzhiya Smitra, and we have moments, and then we got to go on based on the fact that we're back to this like zombie state, you know, but the, I like to realize like that's kind of the state we're in, in this half-asleep state. And that Hazal in Brachos goes on to say, to, <laughs> it's explaining why it is that a person with Das, it's like the base of Mikdash being built in his days, and explains it by saying because the Beis HaMikdash is mentioned or given between two names of God. As it says, Po'alta Hashem Mikdash Hashem. I happen to have a Shemos right here, so I can look it up. Sounds like an interesting one. And it sounds like it's from Az Yashir, except it doesn't fall like that in the Pasuk, I don't think. Yeah. Okay. A dwelling for Hashem to rest his Shrina in, Po'alta Hashem, you have done Hashem, Mikdash Hashem, Konanu Yadecha, a sanctuary for God, your hands have built. So the word Mikdash is between the name God and the name God. One is Yudhevavhe, and one is Aleph Dalad Nun Yud. So you have this po'alta Hashem, mikdash Hashem. So this idea that the base of mikdash is between two names of God. Now, <laughs> again, it's not immediately clear why Chazal are using that pasuk to support the previous statement, which itself was not an obvious statement. I mean, that's because Chazal are way smarter, right? <laughs> so we spend our whole lives, right? Like, and the men spend... From morning to night, you could sit and study Gemara and study Gemara and study Gemara, and there's always a lot more to understand, to understand the deeper truths that are being expressed over here. He says, V'deya bein shnei sheros, this idea of Deya, Das, also rests between two names of God, as the Pasuk says, Kikel Deos Hashem. So you have the word, the name Kel, then you have Deos, and then you have Hashem. Okay, so I don't understand, what I, I have no clue why that is significant. None. It's also in Shemos or a different place? That, um, it didn't bring the source. Um, I can look it up. That's okay. I'm Make okay. a star, I'm and okay. at the end, then I'll look it up. Well, it's like we can look okay. it up. It's easy enough nowadays. Okay. I don't even have to use a concordance. <laughs> that was real, you serve, you know? <laughs> Try to use the Latin concordance for oh, everything. No. Okay. 
<laughs> okay, but, but by the way, his explanation is easier to understand. I don't understand the Chazal. I, I don't know why they're saying that that is significant. So they've drawn a parallel that Das with a human is mentioned between two names of God, and the Beis Hamikdash is between two names of God. Why it should be the two names, that I don't know, and why in each case it's two different names of God, right? I, I don't know. I don't know what it means. Okay, there's obviously a way deeper meaning going on over here, but I don't know. But that there's this correspondence. But Abu Darham's explanation that we could wrap our heads around a little bit, ha, huh? right? <laughs> wrap the base and make this around a little bit. Okay. The next bracha after that, so the, in row two, is Hashiva Shoftenu. Return our judges. Okay. That corresponds to Hashivenu Avinu Lasarasecha. On the individual level, return me, return us to Torah. That's how it starts. That the blessing for tshuva is return us to Torah. Okay. So what we ask on the communal level is return us to Torah leaders. In the same way that in the human being, if he will listen to Torah, that will affect his act, right, and allow him to get back on track. So on a communal level, that there should be, that we have Torah leaders who know the Torah, and then that affects us and judges us so that our actions will be improved. Those correspond. <laughs> And he, he says, you, you know this from the verse in Hosea, that after the time of Kibbutz Galios, meaning the first bracha we said was that Hashem should blow the shofar, and it ends with that Hashem will gather in all the exiles of Israel. So he says, so how do we know that Hashem will then set up judges for us, which is a, a good thing, <laughs> that we should have Talmidei Chachamim that will tell us what's the Din Torah. Right? So we know from Pasuk in Hosea, which refers to these judges as one head. Again, you see this same concept playing out, right? So, that the children of Yehuda and the children of Yisrael will be gathered together as one, together, which doesn't sound as astonishing until you realize that they had been for a couple hundred years two separate, two separate governments. So it's not even, this is not small stuff. This was something to look forward to even before there was a destruction. It was a reunification of the management and the, and the judging and the, and the malchus of the Jewish people. And God will give them one head. There will be one person at the head. Okay. The blessing after that is Birkas Haminim. The blessing about the heretics. Right? Those, okay. So what does that correspond to? Hashem, please forgive us for our sins. <laughs> And corresponding to... What's the name of the... the Vilamal Shinim. Well, that was number three. And the, fir, and the corresponding... Is Salah Lana. Oh, Salah Lana. Yeah. Okay, in the fourth row, I'm sorry if I had... <laughs> it's like if I would have time. I if I can make the time, I'll make a table, but I'm not sure. For Hashem, there's a lot of demands right now. Okay. And then the next bracha, number four, for the individual is Re'evanyenu, saying, Hashem, please see our affliction and redeem the Jewish people. And that corresponds to Al HaTzadikim. For the righteous people, you should please have Yehemu Rachamechas, like it should, uh, um, how do you say that in English? Hamu is like a, a turbulent, unsettled, like roiling feeling. Yeah, it should royal up Hashem's R-O-I-L, like um, his mercy. In other words, Hashem, you should see the suffering and be kind of urgent, this like boiling up inside need to step in and, and save them. Okay, so that corresponds to see our suffering and fight our fight for us on the individual level. Be- he says, and by the way, oh. what's, what, how do they, in, in another way it corresponds. Mm-hmm. There's like a, he's kind of has added here, there's like a, almost like a mida connected mida going on over here because it's not just that one is individual and one is public, but when it comes to the public, then the public says for the tzaddikim, the righteous people and the chasidim and the zikneam chabes Yisrael, which sort of sounds like you're talking about individuals. I mean, groups of individuals maybe, right? He says, no, no, no. It's because it's a response to 
what's a tzaddik? Tzaddik is uvachin tzaddikim yiruvi yismachu. We had this in the Shmona Esrei's, in the Musaf of on, uh, Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, mm-hmm. right? That tzaddikim, specifically, tzaddikim see the suffering of others and it, they feel it inside themselves. That's what makes a person that kind of tzaddik, right? You had Moshe Rabbeinu. He went out to his brothers and he saw their suffering. Okay, so what's the reaction, right? Rashi says he, he gave his eyes and his heart. He allowed his eyes to see it. He didn't avert his eyes from the pain and suffering. And he gave his heart. He allowed his heart to feel the suffering that he saw. Okay, so what came out from that was that Moshe himself was sent to save them. Mm-hmm. So there's... I guess some of it could be considered almost like a mida connected mida, meaning the individual sees and feels the suffering and, and carries a burden of other people in himself. And therefore Hashem sees and hears the burden of people and carries it for himself and he sees the whole community. So that's also a reward to the righteous person though. Because if the righteous person is suffering from all the people in the community suffering, then their redemption is his redemption. Okay, so this is like the fact that it says for the tzaddikim and the chassidim and the ziknei am chabes Yisrael and the, right, for them, save the people, that is a communal thing. That's not individual because the definition of the fact that they, by definition that they are tzaddikim, chassidim, ziknei am chabes, that tells you that they were suffering on the, for the individuals. So the fact that Hashem comes and sees their suffering and will step in and save them, their suffering isn't about their individual suffering. It's referring to the fact that they see other people's suffering. Mm-hmm. So this is a communal bracha. Okay? Uh, by the way, you, you should just notice it says, Make our share with theirs forever. Okay? In other words, if I see myself as part of the community, then I understand that it's tzaddik, like being connected to the tzaddik is being connected to the community. <laughs> That's a very different way to understand. But if you ever, you know, I've, I've told this particular story, but there are millions out there, biographies full of such stories of, you know, I, I, I told this one. I know I once went with um, the CEO of one of the very, very, very big world tzedakah organizations, I think at the time they had a $21 million a year charity budget or something like that. It was pretty substantial. And they went to ask Rav Berkowitz because they're, with the devaluation of the dollar, the shekel, you couldn't get so many shekels for each dollar. So the money is mostly coming from America and coming to Israel, but instead of being worth five shekels to the dollar, it was only four shekels to the dollar. So they had like a 20% decrease in actual funds to distribute from the year before. But they didn't have fewer needy families. If anything, they have more needy families, not fewer, but they have way less money. And they were wondering, (coughs) they asked the question, I mean, I I was in the room, (laughs) you know. She wanted to know, and also, such a lesson, right? They didn't just decide. They said, we're gonna take this to someone who's great and who will paskin. They said, this, these are people who are very familiar with the halachos of tzedakah. This is what they do, right? But this, they, they came and they were asking a question of principle, but they were asking because you start with what's the halacha. You want to know what God's will is? The first thing you have to do is find out what did he say? <laughs> what has he told us already, right? Before you start trying to make like educated leaps, you've got to be educated, <laughs> okay? So the question is, they have one program where um, men who are learning in kolels can come once a month and be tested on a certain amount of material. I think maybe they come in, I don't, I don't know what the program is, and I don't remember if they said, like, is it something where they come every day and learn over there, and once a month they're tested, but they get like a little stipend for doing this. And they have another, a different program that was, that was providing for very, very dis- families where the parents are really dysfunctional and can't support the families. <clears throat> so they were asking, Oh, excuse me. Bless you. I mean, thank you. 
<clears throat> I have a drink here. Just <laughs> they were asking. On the one hand, generally speaking, in halacha, we would say that if two people are standing in front of you and you're holding one dollar, and they both need, then if you know all things being equal, so to speak, if their needs are equal, then you give to the Talmud Chacham before you give to the Am Haaretz. And so the second community of people where they're really dysfunctional in cancer, but they're, they're, for the most part, these are not learned people. Okay? Whereas the other group, where they give them a stipend for doing this learning, that was all just concocted so that they could have the dignity of feeling that they've made the effort to help support their family. It's not, they don't need them to come and learn. This organization, I mean, it's nice to have the merit. It's no question, right? But they're not... It's not like an individual person even who's saying, I'm going to give tzedakah and I'm going to support you in your learning and I'll have some merit for your learning. The organization wasn't running that way. They were just thinking, what can we do for this population of people to give them a dignified way to not be accepting charity and yet to have a little more money? So that was, yeah. I mean, the program itself is brilliant, right? So they were saying it would, on the one hand, you could make the case that if we have to pull money out it should, it should come from the dysfunctional families because the Talmudic Chachamim we would give to first. On the other hand, she said, well, they, it was a man and a woman because one's a CEO and one runs the Israeli brand, like part of it. On the other hand, she said, the men who are coming and learning and getting something, she said they are competent and intelligent. So if they didn't have this money, they are capable of going and finding a way to earn some more money. Yeah. Are they doing it? Aren't they doing it? It's a different thing, but they're able to do it. She says, these other families, they're not. Mm -hmm. These parents can't do it. She said, so whose children do we feed? And the rabbi's face turned white. Oh, yeah. And he just, at first he sat there like, and he said, in a kind of a low voice, he said, Ribbon Sholem, how could someone be asked to paskin such a thing? Mm. That, you know, for me, like, <laughs> I don't have so many opportunities to sit in on, like, Shilas <laughs> like that, you know, on a communal <laughs> level. But you could see, I mean, these people were feeling it, and he was feeling it. These are, these are, this is not like some kind of hypothetical question. You're talking about the real pain and hunger and poverty and feeling it. How do you, you're asking me to decide whose hand we're going to take the bread out of? <laughs> and I, I don't remember how he ended up advising. I, I'm not sure they came to a final agreement on it, but I do remember the first thing he, the first thing, they do always fundraising, and they're, they're pretty good at it, and they're very good at their distribution, I mean, getting it to where it's really needed. Um, but I do remember the first thing he said after that sort of like, <laughs> you know, was that while the halacha does put all things being equal, the Talmud Chacham, before the Am Haaretz in Tzedakah, it doesn't say anything about the child of a Talmud Chacham over the child of an It was very interesting. You know, like he right away jumped to this. Like, it, we're, the question here is whose kids are going to have food? So that's not, that it was a very, very interesting insight right there. Like, that was like his first thought was, you know, as the Talmud Chacham himself was like, but the kids, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. That sounds like that was... Yeah, I don't remember that they put it in those terms. Anyway, it was um, quite an experience to be a fly on that wall. <laughs> okay, so that was back. This is, the tzaddikim see the suffering of the people in their midst, mm -hmm. and they feel it. And this mikanim, like it, it arouses a sort of a, an urgency in them. And kina, it's an interesting use of kina, right? Kina is what we associate with pinchas, right? That zealousness, right? But here, what it means is it, it arouses a kind of a passionate, urgent feeling to save other people from their suffering. So that is, corresponds here with, so now see the righteous people and you, Hashem, be filled with an urgency to come and save the community. Because that's the suffering of the righteous people that you're seeing. It's not the righteous person's poverty. I mean, 
might be, you know, but his poverty and his sickness and his pain that we're asking you to see, we're asking you to see the suffering he has because of other people's suffering that he's feeling on their behalf. Okay, the next bracha, this is row number five, which for the individual basis was, Hashem, please heal the sick of the Jewish people. Excuse me. In the public arena, it's Bone Yerushalayim, Keneged Rifainu, rebuild Jerusalem. As it says in Tehillim, one Pasuk after another, let me just pull out one so we can have the whole Pasuk, I think that will be nicer. This is actually in Pasuk, I think. Bone Yerushalayim Hashem, God builds Jerusalem, Nidche Yisrael Yechanes, the banished ones of Israel, he gathers back in. He heals the brokenhearted. And bandages up their injuries, their wounds. Those are two, what, two psukim, one after the other. So he's saying there's a parallel. And there is a parallel in Shemona Esrei as well. Hashem, heal the sick, build Jerusalem. That these, these healings go together. He who is the healer of pain of every individual will bind up their wounds. And this is the, the perfect... He who is the healer of the individual, right, is also the healer of the nation and of Yerushalayim and will bind up the wounds. The equivalent of binding up the wounds of the nation is healing Jerusalem, is rebuilding it, putting, stitching it back together again. Okay. The next bracha for the individual is barech aleinu, so it's the blessing asking for parnasa, really, for a good year, a good and plentiful result to the year. And as we said, that's agricultural, right? So that's, bless us Hashem in this year, and all of its harvest should be for the good. And let the land give forth its fruit, and we be satiated with its goodness, and bless the year. And what does that correspond to? The, the growth, the sprouting Right, smicha is vegetation growing. May you quickly grow or sprout the seedling of the house of David and raise his, raise his crown in salvation because we are awaiting your redemption every day. Blessed are you, Hashem, matzmiach keren Yeshua, who sprouts forth, who grows the horn of salvation. So the correspondence is that, that on the individual level, we're asking for tzemach sadeh, the vegetative growth. It should be a plentiful harvest in the fields. And on a communal level, that's called a king who's thriving, a king who's growing. Because what makes it that a king or a leader of a country would be described as rising and growing and gaining prominence, that's when everything is plentiful for the entire nation under him. When the economy is really good and people have plenty to eat, then the king can go out and he can, he can expand territory or he can make new projects or he can, right, all of that becomes successful. Not to mention that his rule becomes more stable because when there's not enough food, people have a tendency not to be so happy about the leadership. Okay. <laughs> And finally, Shomea Tefillah, which wraps together all of the brachos before. Hashem, please hear our prayers. That's number 13. It pulls all the others together. You'll notice that um, when we say a person can add any prayer he wants, on a pers- any personal thing you want to ask for, you add it in Shomea Tefillah. But Shomea Tefillah is, the place you add it, you add your personal bakashos, is right before the words, because you, Hashem, hear the prayers of the whole nation of Israel. Right? So it brings together our asking for whatever it is we need with, that is then asking for whatever it is the nation needs. So I just want to like, I think there's a fundamental idea here, aside from just being fascinating, that this sort of six and sixness is a new model for thinking about Shimon Esrei. 
I think the fact that they pull together in Shema Koleinu, and we've said that the number 13 is this new, the new identity that is formed by all those parts. There's a message there that's very particular and something that really goes back to our beginnings of understanding Shemona Esrei. We've talked about Shemona Esrei as particularly an avoda of Asei Ritzono Ritzonecha, making Hashem's will our will. And we've seen that reflected and really all these brachos are expressing what God's will is for people and the nation, what it's meant to be, what he's aiming for it to become. But I think that in this process that Abu Darham describes, he's showing us sort of how to do that avoda. Really, the Shemona Esrei is showing us how to do the avoda. What we're learning here is, it's an expansion on an idea we talked about. We talked about this idea of, of reaching out to Hashem by noticing what we need, right? That was the whole, all the way back to Adam Harishon. Mm-hmm that didn't rain until he would be there and notice that rain would be a good thing and ask for it. That what happens over here is we're expanding our definition of ourselves. We're starting with asking on an individual level and and we want it for everybody. So we're already expanded, right? We're not just asking for ourselves, we're asking for other people to have. And then we go through that same set of requests basically again understanding ourself as encompassing not only me, but a whole nation. What does it look like if I would ask for that same degree of salvation or the same gift from God, if my need, hi, good morning, if that need were, were me as a whole people? And I think that, the, and then we get back to Shema Koleinu, where it's both. What, whatever it is I'm asking for is the, the prayer of the nation. It's almost like an exercise in how you get to making Hashem's will your will. Because what we're doing is rising above ourselves in bits. We, right? The first is I'm not only thinking about myself, I'm thinking about other people and their needs and including them in my need. So if I feel a need for Parnassah, but I say it in the plural... What I've done is I've said, I'm not just asking for me, I'm recognizing other people feel the way I do, and they also need, right? But then I go through that again, and I say, you know, the whole nation is impoverished. Everybody, as a group, we need something. So it's a kind of, I, don't, I hate to use the word expanded consciousness, because I don't think that's what it means anyway, in normal, like Zen parlance, if that's normal. But... <laughs> But it is a way of expanding our rut zone, of expanding what does our, whose rut zone are, are we expressing? And it's done in this sort of a cycle, right? Okay, so I think that that's a little bit, and this, yeah, and the structure of Shorna Esrei, which is built on a series of brachos, and we've talked a long time ago, maybe a year and a half ago, not like a super, super long time ago, about bracha as being a multiplier. Actually, we mentioned it just, I think, the last time we were here because we were saying about um, Yaakov, these are the brachos that he gave to the tribes. Each one, he gave them their bracha, meaning he was looking in and seeing what was already there inside of them, and then the bracha is, is asking that it be amplified. When we give a bracha, we're not trying to, it's not yesh me'ayin, like God creating the universe, something from nothing, right? That would be olive. <laughs> bracha, which is the base, that's amplifying what Hashem has already given and making it more. And this whole Shemona Esrei is a structure of brachos, and maybe that's why it, it's working the same way, whether it's recognizing what Hashem gives us and seeking to amplify that not only to me, but to other people and to the nation as a whole and the world as a whole, which is really for Hashem's sake, or whether it's seeing even that there is need and being able to amplify my, my, my sight of that, being able to expand the window and the frame through which I'm looking 
so that I can see more of the reality that's there. I think that this whole bracha expansion thing probably probably is why we work from the need of the individual to the need of the community, even though it's the same process. Okay. <coughs> so. Okay. So nice to see you. Okay. So. Yeah, it's getting... Uh, it, it's not late. Really, I would like to do one more topic. The only question is, can we? Let's try and fit it in anyway. I'll see you another time. It's not such a short topic, so I'm trying to see because I don't want to. I want to do 45 minutes more. I want to do 10 minutes more. started with this Abu Darham where he says so the first of all of this it all starts with knowledge it all starts with knowledge with wisdom with insight that's the first bracha and everything else is going to build out from there so one way that he explained that was the individual person meaning once you know about something then you can think about something then you can okay but there's another way we can see this. Rabbi Leff points us to a Pasuk in Parshas Titzaveh. So I'm going to actually read the Pasuk before also, because there's a point that I think it helps if you know the verse before, which says like this, The Asisa Vigde Kodesh Aron Achicha in the middle of talking about the, all the work for the Mishkan. You shall make holy clothing, vigde kodesh, sanctified clothing, dedicated clothing, la'aron achicha, for your brother Aaron, lechavod ulesifares, as an honor and a glory. Okay, so what did the clothing do? They gave honor and glory. Okay, they're, they're fancy, expensive, they're very expensive. You hear descriptions of like the clothing of the Kohen Gadol where he needed like more than one set <laughs> per year for Yom Kippur and they were like I forget the amounts like the modern value of these outfits is some I forget if it's ten thousand dollars a hundred thousand dollars it's like unbelievably expensive <laughs> and they only use them once <laughs> and they can't be reused for anything else okay this is like astonishing stuff the Atah to Daber El Kol Chachme Lev and you Moshe should speak to all of those who are chachmei lev, wise at heart, asher milesiv ruach chachma, whom I have filled with a spirit of wisdom. Ve'asu es vigde aron lekadsho lechahano li. And make this clothing for Aaron, lekadsho, to sanctify him, lechahano li, to serve me. To serve as a priest. Lekahain, is to be in service to, like to be a valet. Okay. So Rashi says, what does it mean that the clothing is lekadsho lekahanoli? He says, lekadsho lehachniso b'kehuna al begadim. When he puts the clothes on, that puts him into his, his state of service, of being a kohen. Now he's prepared to actually serve God. The word kohen means service. In service to. Serving somebody. Okay. What, what, <laughs> what's the deal with this? So I heard Rabbi Eisenman give a share on this. He, talked, he brings it from a few different places. Um, there are two aspects to the clothes of the Kohen and to the role of a Kohen. A Kohen gets a lot of honor. We say you should be first getting an aliyah to the Torah. If someone's going to lead the benching, we're going to give you the honor to lead the benching, right? You're going to have these beautiful clothes. You're going to have special places to live. You'll come first. Okay. But that kavod and tiferes 
we perhaps have projected, we make an assumption, what does it mean, honor and glory? So what image comes in our mind? I don't know, someone with his nose in the air, maybe, right? Like someone who looks down on other people, who whatever he wants, that's what he's going to make happen according to his will. But what Rashi's telling us, and what the Pasuk is telling us is, that the purpose of the clothes is covered in Tiferes, and if they're working right, then Aaron himself becomes Kodesh, meaning sanctified and set aside and dedicated to a certain job, and that job is Lakahanoli, serving God. It's not dominating people, it's serving Hashem. Mm -hmm. Okay, Rabbi Eisman points out that the word sar, like a, a prince or a, a ruler, which is related to the word sarara, which means domination, like uh, through force, ruling over someone through force, is really the same word as sherus, service. It's the same thing. Mm -hmm. Okay? And what Rashi tells us is, that's what Kohen means. A Kohen is someone who serves. So the glory and the honor, the, the, reg the regal aspect, and the fact that, that a Kohen needs to wear clothes like a king, it's not his honor... <laughs> It's Hashem's honor. Okay. And what is needed for that to happen? Chachma. Speak to all the people who are chachamim of heart, whom I have filled with a spirit of chachma. And then you will be able to make this kind of clothing. Okay. So Rabbi Lef says, that the illusion here is that wisdom is the root of all good. Okay, what do you need to get, because what is all good? I'm, I'm expanding a little beyond what he says over here. But we've learned about the word tov. Vayar Elohim es haor ki tov. And Ramban says, when Hashem looks at something, so to speak, and sees that it is good, that means it is in the state that represents God's long-term will for it. it. It's in its perfected state, as opposed to its interim state, where it's on the way to becoming better, and eventually it will achieve its full form. When something is tov, it means it already has achieved its full goodness. Not that it means it will die away after that, like it reached its peak and it's over, it's the opposite. It's a way of thinking where things are created as in creation. The matter is put out there, the force is put out there, but it's a process over those six days as each one takes its shape and then reaches the state where Hashem wants it to be created to be that. That's what Tov is. In other words, when something has reached the fullness of God's will, when it has become now what it could be, be, it's fulfilled its potential in, in the good sense. It's repaired, it's evolved, it's become. Okay, and the beginning of that is wisdom. Now, I think one reason he didn't source this statement that the root of all good is wisdom, I think could be because it's a Kabbalistic idea where the first thing created is or, light which is then hidden away for the future. Because or is wisdom, light corresponds to wisdom. So it all starts with wisdom, then it gets put away, and then bit by bit, each thing continues to get created throughout those days of creation. And in fact, those days of creation unfold out into these thousands of years of, of world history, unfolding out and becoming more and more <clears throat> eventually, over time, becoming fully created to the state of Tov. And ultimately Tov Me'od. And that's, right, so this is, but it all starts with the wisdom. That's piece number one. Okay. So that Pasuk that says, speak to all those who are wise of heart, whom I, God, have filled with a spirit of wisdom, to make clothing for Aaron, to sanctify him to serve me. What you have here is Aharon representing every Kohen Gadol. Every Kohen Gadol representing every Kohen. 
being like the, the peak of or the ultimate of every Kohen representing every Levi, every Kohen representing all the Jewish people. The Jewish people are Mamlechas Kohanim representing all of humanity. So what we have in this, the clothing of Aharon, what you have is, that, and you have this idea that the clothing of Aharon and Hakohen are modeled after Adam Harishon. It's not just, right? I mean, what you have here is this sort of ultimate sanctification, which is Lechahanoli, to serve God. That look, this is, I just want to bring this back. So Shemona Esrei, which is the being of a Kohen Gadol, right? As close as we can get in our own lives to the role of Kohen Gadol, hopefully we will soon have a Kohen Gadol to help us with that, but is davening Shemona Esrei, going into the Holy of Holies of our davening. That's, the, that's our own. That's the our own, right? When we do that, <clears throat> we're, what we're being dedicated to is serving him. That's making his will our will. That, that's the goal of it. It's, is it very elevated and regal? Actually, it is. I don't know. Nowadays, you would have like the women of the sanctuary standing outside and demonstrating how come you don't let us go into the Holy of Holies. Like, it, you know, <laughs> like yes. Is it honorable? Yes. Is it, is it a glory? Yes. The clothing serve as a cover and Ferris. But they do that to get the Kohen to a state of serving Hashem. It's not to put the Kohen in a state of being the one who's in charge of everybody. Kohanim aren't actually in charge of anybody, <laughs> right? And when they are, that's not so good. Like if you have the Hashmonah and become kings, that's not an ideal situation because that's not what Kahuna is about. Kahuna is about service. Well, like in the Yom Kippur service, we read about how like the Kohen Gadol is like, you know, people are, are like, Dressing him and telling him where he has to go and making sure he doesn't. Yeah, he's not in charge. He's, he's, he's definitely like, not the boss. He's, he's being sent. <laughs> he's being sent and he's representing everybody. Yeah. And the relief that everybody feels when there's kapara that he's able to achieve, right? It, it's their kapara, it's their avoda that he's doing. Okay. Which is our avoda. <laughs> okay. And therefore, that verse has 17 words. Seventeen words, which is the number Tov. Seventeen is Tov. We'll talk about this usually Lagba Omer time, right? Because you have 33 days of the Omer and then another 19 days of the Omer. The, the, the Tov days, you know, that follow. Okay, because they follow. You have first the difficult days and then you have the, the better days that follows on. Okay. Similarly... This bracha, he says, has 17 words. Let me go back to count it. Ata chonein la'adam das, umlameid la'enosh bina, chaneinu me'it chadea, bina v'haskel, baruch ato Hashem, chonein hadas. It's counted out. You know, the Gemara talks about this, that when they wrote Ulamalshinim, they said we need to have someone who not only understands all the deepest meaning of every letter and every word and you know, who's going to be the one to, like, say, go into the Holy of Holies, like, go into the nuclear reactor and, like, change the core? You know, you need someone who really knows what they're doing. So one of the factors is they need someone who knows how to count properly. Like, it doesn't mean take a count, right? It means, like, to know what are the, what should the count be? How do you keep the whole system stable? This is powerful stuff. So the bracha of atachonin la'adam das is counted out to be 17 words to correspond to this pasuk. Because this is, the, this is about the chachmei leiv, the wisdom. And this is the wisdom. And that wisdom is the requirement to be able to get to the goal of lechahanoli to fully be serving Hashem, to his ratzon, not our own. Yeah? And we are then the Kohanim in our Shemona Esrei. Okay. I think what I'll do is I'll stop here. This idea really continues. <laughs> so I'm just going to make a note to myself. For next time, next Hashem will continue with this idea because it's difficult to talk about this without talking about Shlomo. 
<coughs> Shlomo HaMelech's request for Chachma, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, and there's a few other ideas here. So, that's it's a place though that we could work with. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, I will try and remember to do that. Am I behind with any? Were you? Wait- you're not no, waiting for something. Okay. 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 It's good.